One of the things we really value at Grace is living our lives as ministry every day. Whether that's being a godly spouse or a compassionate friend or serving in the church, we bring God glory when we do what we were created to do. For me and many others, it's a privilege to have staff roles where we do just that. And right now our church is preparing to add dozens more people to our staff team as part-time childcare workers. We've got a couple of important information meetings about these positions on the calendar. And if you'd like to learn more about these open positions, make plans to attend one of these meetings coming up soon at Grace Half Moon. We are so excited to announce this year's winter retreats for our students across Grace Fellowship Church. High school retreat is in the beginning of February and middle school retreat will be at the end of March because let's face it, in New York, the end of March is still winter. When I was a junior in high school, I had some wild weekend plans, but my mom had other plans. She heard that the local student ministry was going on a retreat, and so my mom, no joke, put me in the car, drove me to the church, walked me to the bus, and said to the student ministry's pastor, my son hates you, he hates me, good luck. That weekend I gave my life to Jesus, and the entire trajectory of my life changed. And I'm just one of many examples of what can happen when a student attends winter retreat. You can register your student online at gracefellowship.com or if you'd like to help provide a scholarship for a student to attend winter retreat, please see the Lobby Info Center for more information. It's 2019 and we are one year closer to 2020. Now, if you're wondering why I'm holding this pie, it's because I'm trying to give you a hint about our new giving total for 2020 Vision. Any guesses? Ah, some of you got it. Right now, our total gifts for the campaign are right at about $3.14 million. And while we're eagerly anticipating construction and renovations to begin at Latham, those campaign gifts are being put to good use on the other side of the world through the humanitarian aid part of 2020. In December, we got word from one of our global missions partners in India that a second freshwater well has been completed there. Asagodu is a small village in the state of Karnataka, and about 2,000 families of every caste, including the untouchables, call this village home. That part of the state is very dry, and there are no water resources or reservoirs. Really, it's rain or nothing there. Pastor Sangamesh, who ministers in Asagodu, wrote this letter of thanks. We praise God who has answered our prayers and he provided plenty of water in our school property. Even before we started drilling the well, we prayed and asked the Lord to provide enough water for us and the people of our village. As we were drilling, God answered our prayers and hundreds of villagers were able to witness our faith. This also gives us an opportunity to reach our community to share our faith in living water. Every single day, hundreds of families, children and men and women come to our well to get water. It gives us an opportunity to talk to them and to share with them. We have nothing to give you back, but thanks. We keep you all in our day-to-day -day prayers. Thank you, Grace Fellowship. And that's exactly why we're doing this campaign, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the people in our community and with people around the world. To find out more about the 2020 Vision Campaign, check out the display in your lobby or visit our campaign landing page online. And now Pastor Rex is gonna to talk to us about next steps as we continue to turn it around in 2019. Yeah. You know, I don't know about you, but I, I find it kind of exciting to hear these updates of what God is doing through the 2020 vision, not just here locally with the projects, but also 
projects like you just heard about all the way around the world. It's really exciting to be a part of that. And again, thank you for all of you who are so faithfully participating. Well, I love turnaround stories. I just love these stories about individuals or groups or companies that were going one way or really were getting stuck and they just had this dramatic turnaround. And the world, I think, is full of stories like this. For instance, did you know that Steven Spielberg, yes, the legendary producer, was actually turned down, rejected from film school three times before he finally landed a little internship at Universal Studios. Think of that. What a turnaround. And he went from that to go on and produce some of the modern um, sort of legendary films that we know like E.T. and Saving Private Ryan and Raiders of the Lost Ark and Schindler's List and Jurassic World and Ready Player One and so many, many more. What an incredible turnaround. I love these stories. Or think for a minute about the story of Airbnb. It was founded back in 2008. Two guys, Brian Chesky and Joe Gebbia, launched Airbnb at a time when obviously the economy was in the pits in the U.S., and they struggled to find investors. Finances dwindled, and they wondered how this was going to happen. Well, they decided to get creative, and so they created some uh, uh, little cereal boxes that were customized to try to raise money, and sure enough, they were able to raise about $30,000 on their own, and then they were invited to a startup incubator experience, which produced another $20,000 for them, and so... When they launched, Airbnb, within one year, had 10,000 users and over 2,500 listings. And today, it is way over 5 million unique places to stay in more than 81,000 cities and 191 countries, has an annual revenue that exceeds 2.5 billion. Yikes. What an incredible turnaround. Or just consider one more turnaround story, kind of from our world and what's happening recently. How about the Marvel Comics story? Are you familiar with that? Marvel Comics, of course, was founded, many of you grew up with these comic books. It was founded in 1939 and quickly became sort of a national name with heroes like Human Torch and Captain America. But in a sense, it didn't keep up with the times and changing technology and innovation. And although sales continued to be fine right into the 1980s, they actually, their rate of growth began to decrease dramatically until finally they declared chapter 11 bankruptcy. They desperately needed a turnaround. Well, they kept believing in their product. They merged with Toy Biz and turned their attention to film production, Spider-Man, X-Men films. And then in 2009, Disney bought Marvel for a whopping $4 billion. And under that 
Disney umbrella, just last year, the two highest grossing films of 2018 were both in that genre. Black Panther and Avengers Infinity War, the two highest grossing movies of 2018. And again, I say, wow, what a turnaround. I love turnaround stories. And one of the reasons I am just so excited by the Bible is because really, the Bible is just kind of one turnaround story after another of how people were going in a certain direction and God turned them around or their attitude was one thing and it became different or they were hopeless and then they became hopeful. It's just full of stories like that. Think of two or three. Moses. He was a murderer. He was a disillusioned leader going nowhere. In fact, he was so hopeless, he was tending sheep on the backside of Midian and thought that that would be his life forever. But God turned him around. God intervened in his life, called him to be a courageous pioneer, and under the power of God, you talk about a turnaround, he courageously led over two million people out of Egyptian slavery. Now, that's a, that's a turnaround story right there. Or consider the story of Saul of Tarsus. He was a Jewish man with a mission. His mission was to kill Christians. He wanted to seek them out. He breathed out threats against them. He went everywhere where he had any suspicion there might be a follower of Jesus. He wanted to punish them and kill them. And then God intervened. Boy, you talk about a turnaround. Saul was knocked to the ground, blinded for three days. God challenged him and confronted him. And he went from being a persecutor of Christians and a hater of the church to being the champion of the church. And he spent the rest of his life sharing Jesus and planting local churches everywhere he went. The list goes on and on. Think about Thomas the Apostle. Filled with doubt, he actually swore, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where those nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe it. Well, you talk about a cynic. He had no intention of believing that Jesus was raised from the dead, but he went from that heaving mass of cynicism to sometime later falling at Jesus' feet, the confident Thomas now declaring, my Lord and my God. The Bible's full, just full of turnaround stories like that. And last week, we looked at one of those, the story of the turnaround of of Simon Peter. And we looked at this huge lesson that when Jesus is in the boat with you, calling the shots, giving direction, this time doesn't have to be like last time. That when he's in the boat, he is the difference maker. And many of you, based on the letters I've received and the emails and the conversations, many of you have decided to make 2019, a because you say so, Lord, kind of year. And I applaud you for that. 
Thank you for that commitment to say, Jesus, you're going to call the shots in my life. This year is a year of commitment to you and doing what you say instead of just leaning on my own understanding. Praise God. It's going to be a good year when you live that way. But I want us in this second and final message of this little series, I want us to drill down today just a bit deeper as to what a turnaround looks like. Because the truth is, I'm talking to people right now at all of our campuses. I'm talking to people at Greenbush right now who need a turnaround. Maybe it's a family crisis or a situation where you just see no way through this. I'm talking to people at Saratoga right now. Maybe it's a marital thing that you're grappling with and you are pretty hopeless about this. You need to turn around. It's like, wow, if God ever intervened, you say, bring it on, Lord. I need a change here. I need to get some hope again. I need love rekindled and a sense of hope about the future. Some of you at Half Moon need a financial turnaround perhaps, or maybe it's a time in your life where you say, look, I've just, I've just not been a good steward. I'm asking for God to turn this around in 2019, and there's all kinds of other things. Perhaps some people at Latham need a relational turnaround, and boy, it, it, you're just hurting today because things haven't worked out the way you thought. My question is, whatever the need is that you have, how does a turnaround come about? Well, we're going to look at that, but I want you to know right up front that at the end of this abbreviated message today, yeah, I'm just going to preach for a few minutes, we're going to have a time of concerted prayer. We seldom do this. It's actually fairly rare. We always invite you to pray, always. That's always there, that invitation with prayer warriors somewhere in the front usually of the sanctuary. It might be over in a corner beneath a cross. It might be over to the edge of the platform at our various locations. But we always invite that. That's always open. But today, we're going to carve out time for it. Today, we're not going to dismiss first. We're going to make time, and we're not going to rush anyone. And there'll be leaders Men and women at the front of the church who would love to spend a moment just listening to whatever it is in your life where you maybe need a turnaround. And they would love to pray with you if if that's what you would like. And there's all kinds of reasons you would come at the end of this message. It might be a particular bondage or challenge in your own life, and you're asking for God to give you freedom from that. It might be coming and praying for the turnaround of someone you really love. Perhaps they're even with you today. And you could just, when that time comes, just take them by the hand and say, if you'd like to go forward for prayer, hey, I'll go with you. Let's go together. And even if they maybe aren't open to that right now, you come on anyway. Because God can use you in a catalytic way for their breakthrough. So there's all kinds of reasons that we would come. All of us need to turn around at one time or another. And I'm convinced that this is a moment in time that you may need to mark and say, I mark this moment in time when I allowed God to intervene. When I said, Lord, I need you. 
So let's look quickly at what a turnaround looks like. And I just want to make this real simple. In fact, it's going to be as simple as kind of A, B, C. If you want to jot some of these words in, I I invite you to do that. A turnaround begins by acknowledging your need. Now, that's not quite as easy as it may sound. Because I'm convinced that you're going to be getting messages in this world today that, hey, you can do this on your own. You're the captain of your own ship, the master of your own soul. You can do it. You have the power within you to change anything you need to change. But the Apostle Paul made it crystal clear that he did not have the power within himself to conquer the sin that besieged him. He wrote in Romans 7, For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body waging war. It's literally like a war going on inside of you today. Paul experienced that, and we all have felt that battle surging back and forth against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What's he saying there? He's saying, look, I am helpless to conquer my own problems. I've got to start right there. I've got to acknowledge that this is beyond me. I hope you understand, particularly if you're maybe newer in the Christian life, maybe you've not been following Jesus very long, you are in a battle. And there are three forces that conspire against you. Here's what the Bible says they are. Places like 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, make these really clear. They're the world, the flesh, and the devil. And All of them are real and all of them are powerful. They conspire to drag us down, hold us back, keep us from being all God wanted us to be. They seek to put us in bondage, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Those are the enemies of every true Christian. And these are forces that are so powerful that on our own, we cannot overcome them. We saw an example of that last week in Simon Peter's denials of Jesus. He overestimated his strength. He said, even though everybody else might betray you or deny you, I never will. And yet he went and warmed himself at the enemy's fire. And when the emotional pressure was on, he caved in. And Satan sifted him like wheat. You're sitting here today and you're telling yourself, well, I'm a strong person. Maybe you are. Maybe you're stronger than most. Maybe you're a leader. Maybe you're an overcomer. Maybe you have far more discipline than the average person. And perhaps you whisper to yourself, I can stop this road I'm on and turn around anytime I want to. It's more likely that you cannot. It's more likely that you're in a battle with power stronger than you are and you need the help that only God can give. That's true of me, it's true of you, all of us. Paul goes on, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? And then he gives this doxology. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's saying, look, the answer is Jesus. 
He's the one who can deliver me. A father watched through the window out into the backyard in his son's little sandbox back there. He watched as his small son struggled to lift a large stone out of the center of that sandbox. And the little guy gave it his best. I'll tell you, he grunted and groaned. He strained every little muscle, but he could not lift that rock out of that sandbox. And the dad, sympathetic, went out and said, son, you didn't use all the strength that you had. His little son said, oh, yes, I did, dad. I gave it my best. I used all my strength. His father said, no, you didn't use all the strength you have. You didn't ask me to help. And when we come to God and say, look, I don't have the power. I acknowledge I'm helpless to get this turnaround in my life. I need you. He comes in and not only cleanses our sin and forgives us, but he gives us power for the future. So what I'm saying to you is that no matter how high you can jump, you can't jump to the moon. You need a rocket ship. And no matter how well you can swim, you can't swim to Hawaii. You need a boat. No matter how disciplined or successful or intelligent or savvy you may be, you cannot overcome the forces that seek to hold you back. You cannot get the turnaround that you need on your own. It's time to acknowledge, God, I need your power. And so I would ask you right now in these moments to identify what is that besetting sin. It may not be some high-handed egregious thing. It might just be a tendency where you're a bit weak, but it's holding you back. And if unchecked, it has the potential to destroy you. I'm telling you it's a sacred moment where we can humbly say, God, I acknowledge my need. And I'm asking you to, to do that today, whatever it is. You see, here's what I believe. It's in those moments of humble submission to God, humble acknowledgement, I don't have all the power I need here. It's in those moments that I believe God is closest to us. I believe he feels closest to us in those moments, not when we're flying high and achieving great success and getting the applause of the world. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 34, 18, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. (laughs) Is that you today? Is God bringing you in the, the early days of this brand new year to a point of such brokenness and humility that you could say, Lord, I acknowledge my need. But let me quickly go on. I think there's a second step that's huge. Not just acknowledging the need, but then believing that God's way is better. You see, I I know a lot of people who are searching for a better life, don't you? Oh my goodness. But that doesn't mean they've acknowledged that God's way is the way to go. They're not convinced that God's way is better. They just know they're in a tough spot. So why would I urge you today to come and seek God in these moments that we're going to carve out? Well, one reason is because he really loves you in spite of all your failures. Did you know that? In spite of your besetting sins, in spite of 
your frequent doubts. He wants the best for you. God gave a searing message of love through Jeremiah the prophet centuries ago, but it rings so true and so personal. Even though it was for the nation of Israel then, it's so personal for us today. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. He loves you. He wants the best. But further, you should seek him today because he knows your name. Did you know that God knows everything about you? He knows every hair on your head. He knows the thoughts that you're thinking. He knows all those fears and insecurities in you. He knows what you think about when you're in private and no one else knows. And yet in spite of all these things, God loves you and me. Oh, that's a real good reason to seek him today because he knows you inside and out and still loves you. And finally, you should seek him today because... He's powerful. He's got the power to bring the turnaround that we all need. A father brought a demon-possessed son to Jesus. The father was distraught. He said, Lord, this demon is trying to destroy my boy. When we go by the fire, he throws him in the fire to burn him. When we go by a lake, he'll throw him in the water to drown him. We don't know what to do. We have to watch him 24-7. Or he's going to be destroyed. Can you help us please? Jesus said if I can. You want help if I can. Jesus said look. All things are possible to those who believe. And the father said Lord I do believe. Help my unbelief. And Jesus cast the demon out of this young man and he shrieked violently and then became still like a corpse and everybody thought he was dead but Jesus lifted him by the hand and he began to walk and he was completely well hear me today there is no demon in you no problem no challenge in you that Jesus cannot overcome there is no habit that he cannot help you break There is no addiction, believe me today, no addiction that he cannot remove. The Bible says he has the power to reward those who seek him. And he can give you the turnaround you need. Isaiah the prophet said he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. And so that's why I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you to make a bold step. To mark this moment by God's grace as the turning point in your life. In just a few minutes, I'm going to ask you to stand up and step out and come forward and spend a few moments in prayer. And again, there will be men and women here, leaders of the church, who would love to just listen. They just want to be a compassionate listening ear. And if you'd like prayer with them, they would... They would be so honored just to spend a few moments praying with you. 
I invite you to do that and be listening for how the Holy Spirit would prompt you to respond. But before we pray, let me share one other brief step in a genuine turnaround, acknowledging my need, believing that God's way is the best, but, but please don't miss this simple step. We need to choose to take the next step in the right direction. A man wanted to build a bridge across a great chasm, and so he flew a kite across it with a small rope attached to the kite string. And then to the small rope, he attached a cable. And then to the cable, ever so carefully, a series of more cables until finally there was a sturdy bridge across the chasm. But it all began with a kite string. You know, I hear some people protest, Pastor Rex, I'd love a turnaround, but I just don't have enough faith. I, I hear you. But you know, that's not really the issue. You don't need a lot of faith. You just need to act on the faith you have. Just act on it. Act on your faith today. Jesus said, if you've got faith like a mustard seed, my goodness, you can move mountains. So choose today to take that step in the right direction. And as we do that, he is the one who's going to bring the turnaround. And I believe God wants that for you this day. Paul Morphy was a champion chess player. He was from New Orleans. But when he was in a visiting city, a friend took him to a museum with a famous painting of a chess game. And so... He was so, so intrigued by this amazing, famous painting of the devil playing a chess match against an aspiring young man. And wow, in, in the picture, it was clear that the devil had this young man in check. And it looked like he was about to win the match, and the young man knew that it was just about over. And he was searching, but with this look of terror on his face. And see, the stakes were high in the match. If the young man won, then he would be free from the bondage of the devil for the rest of his life. But if the devil won, then this young man would be under the power of the prince of darkness forever. Oh, the stakes are high, and there's terror over his face as he believes it's all over. And so Paul Morphy stood in front of that famous painting, and he stood there, and he stood there, and he studied it. And then he said these words, that's it. Make that move. That will work. And in studying the board, he had seen a move that the artist had missed, and if the chess player would make that one move, he would not only escape, but he would win the match. We may be held in check by sin, but there is one move, and one move only, and that is to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we make that move, he meets us right where we are, not with judgment and condemnation, but with a heart of love because he knows all about us and he wants to bring that needed turnaround in our lives. That's what I invite you to today. 
So I'm going to ask at all of our locations right now, I'm going to ask at Latham and Saratoga and Greenbush and Half Moon that everyone just stand, if you would, right where you are. Would you stand to your feet, please? Everyone just stand. And I would ask our leaders who've been asked to be our prayer warriors today to just make their way down front right now. Would you come now, all of you leaders who are coming to help us with this prayer time and to be here just to receive Uh, Anyone who would love to come and pray, leaders at all of our locations, would you make your way forward right now, please? Thank you for that. Thank you for being here and ready and prepared to pray with all who would like to come. Now, right now, I'm going to pass the baton, as it were, to each of our locations for the leaders there to go ahead and steward and guide this time of prayer as we continue to seek the Lord together.